Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 47 for a reading of a psalm this morning. A short psalm, a psalm full of praise, a psalm of exhortation for us to rejoice. It would have been used at events in the Old Testament, like David bringing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord God of Israel up into the tabernacle that he built for it in Mount Zion. It would have been used in events like Solomon bringing the Ark of the Covenant up to the top of Mount Moriah and into that temple that he had prepared for it. And it is true of the Lord Jesus Christ ascending up from this earth into heaven, as it's described in Revelation chapter 5. Psalm 47 is a psalm of praise. And so let us all stand together and with hearts full of praise and gladness, let's read this psalm in unison. Together. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. He shall choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob, whom he loved. Selah. God is gone up with a shout. The Lord with the sound of a trumpet. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of His holiness. The princes of the people are gathered together, even the people of the God of Abraham. For the shields of the earth belong unto God. He is greatly exalted. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We know more about triumph in the New Testament than David, Asaph, Solomon, and the others knew about triumph in the Old. They may have defeated the Philistines and the Edomites, but they had not defeated sin, death, and hell yet like the Lord Jesus Christ has for us. David may have gone out and slain Goliath and cut his head off with his own sword, but the Lord Jesus Christ delivered us from the palace of the strong man because he is the stronger man. And he went in and spoiled his goods. And he left most of the world there under the dominion of Satan. But he took us out of there. He took us out. I have had a ride on the back of a white horse. Ridden by the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ my Savior. He reached down and grabbed me when I wanted to stay in the palace of the devil himself. And he pulled me up behind him and took me out of that palace and has given me a hope of heaven, and filled me with His Spirit, and I love Him. He's my Lord and my Savior. And He's given me my own white horse, and I want to ride in the army of heaven behind Him, as Revelation chapter 19 describes. He has a name written on His thigh. He is called the Word of God. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We ought to sound like we have some triumph in our lives. You're defeated? You're discouraged. What are you discouraged about? You got a B on a test instead of an A? 
your hot water heater went out, one of your vehicles wouldn't start this morning, you're discouraged, where is the sound of triumph? We have triumphed over all those things. None of those things can hold you back from worshiping our God. Because the Lord is most high, and He's terrible in verse 2. He is a great king over all the earth. We can watch all the political machinations that go on in our capital, and we don't need to worry about them because the Lord is king. The Lord expects us to be men of understanding that understand the times, and we have judgment respecting them. We do not really care about what goes on in Washington because the Lord is going to direct the affairs of this nation and we can accomplish more in prayer from this assembly only than all those men that have met all weekend long and at the early a.m. hours of this day have come to some so-called conclusion and resolution regarding the bailout of the financial institutions of this country. We can accomplish more good in prayer. We can change heaven and earth. By calling God to arise from His throne and to reach forth His mighty arm and to do things on our behalf. This is what the Bible teaches us. He's going to subdue the people under us, verse 3, and the nations under our feet. One of these days soon, we shall walk on this planet as its sole owners. We shall walk and fly through the skies of heaven as its sole owners. We will be joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We shall judge angels and devils with Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that. He's going to choose our inheritance for us, the excellency of Jacob whom he loved. Our inheritance is eternal heaven and the new heavens and the new earth. It says Jacob whom he loved, because Jacob had a twin brother that God did not love. Malachi chapter 1 and Romans chapter 9 tell us that God hated Esau, but he loved Jacob. If God loved everyone indiscriminately and equal then verse 5 wouldn't have any meaning at all. Who would care if God loved Jacob because he loved the Philistines just as much? Who would care if God loved Jacob because he loved the Edomites just as much? The reason it's stated that way is because the love of God was special upon his people. And the love of God is still special upon his people. The foolish shall not stand in his sight because he hates all workers of iniquity. Psalm 5.5 When he looks at us, he does not see workers of iniquity. He sees us clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not only a fact that God does not love the wicked. It is impossible for God to love the wicked. God cannot love an unholy, evil, sinful, wicked object. He can only love holy, righteous, pure, clean objects. How can he love sinners then? Because He chose them in Christ Jesus before the world began. That they should be holy and without blame before Him in love. love. Selah. God has gone up with a shout. Was David shouting when he took the Ark of the Covenant and moved it into Jerusalem and into a tabernacle he had prepared for it? Was he modestly interested in the service? Or was he dancing with all his might? Did he have the voice of triumph? God has gone up with a shout. How about in the days of Solomon? When Solomon dedicated the temple that he had built to the glory of God with the materials that David had raised and brought together? 
Was there a celebration in that day? Amen. As 120,000 sheep were sacrificed and 22,000 oxen. And since the priests couldn't even light a fire to take care of that big of a sacrifice, God dropped fire straight down from heaven and sucked up that offering. And the priests couldn't even enter into the tabernacle because the presence of God had filled it. But remember, it was on the top of a mount. So God had gone up. God had gone up into the temple that had been prepared for him on the top of Mount Moriah. But there's a better one than that. And it's one of prophecy. It's the Lord Jesus Christ coming up into heaven. It's the Lord Jesus Christ coming up into heaven. God has gone up with a shout. Were they shouting in Revelation chapter 5 when Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, arrived in that place? Amen. Amen. All three choirs burst into praise. The angels, the multitude of the redeemed, and the four beasts burst into praise. And the elders praised our God forever and ever. Amen. Sing praises to God. Verse 6, do you get the idea from the four verbs that are there that we ought to do something today called singing. So we sing and we love to sing. And we're going to sing many more times. Sing praises, sing praises, sing praises. He loves to have us sing praises. I have been in services where men that couldn't sing were leading them. And so they felt that singing praises was almost a necessary evil of the worship of God. But it's not a necessary evil. It's, an, it's a blessed privilege Amen. to sing praises to our God. Amen. Verse 7 tells us why. God is king of all the earth. Verse 7 tells us how. Sing ye praises with understanding. The New Testament tells us the same. He wants us to sing with comprehension. Singing is not just to make a noise. Singing is to be thinking about the words and to sing with understanding as we go through the verses of these psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to be thinking about what we're saying about God, what we're saying to God, what we're saying about us, His Word, His mercies toward us, or to do it with understanding. A piano cannot do that. Now, in the Old Testament, because it was still hindered, it was a very imperfect, the Bible words are beggarly, carnal, and weak form of worship. It still had trumpet symbols and a lot of noise, a lot of smoke, a lot of smells, a lot of robes, a lot of incense, and a lot of ceremonial ritual. In the New Testament, there is none of those things. It is a religion of the heart and of the spirit. God is seeking those now that will worship Him in spirit and in truth. There's no spirit in a piano. There's no spirit in an organ, so we have neither. There's no spirit in an orchestra. There's no spirit in a drum set. The New Testament is the worship of God from the heart with understanding so that we speak and teach and admonish one another the truth of the gospel in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Enough on that. Verse 8, God reigneth over the heathen. Amen, he does. He rules over the whole earth. Oh, brethren, God has blessed our nation so greatly. He has blessed our nation so greatly above the other nations of the earth. I tried to tell you just a few little tiny things on Wednesday evening about how great our nation still is. And all the rest of the nations of earth tremble in the wake of our financial troubles. The Chinese stock market is hanging by a thread. Two-thirds annihilated already from its entire value because of the trouble in the U.S. England. 
with its 500-year-old stock exchange suffering the greatest volatility and changes it's ever had because of this nation. One week ago, the U.S. Treasury bill was the only instrument on the face of the earth with any security, and it was bid so greatly by all the nations of the earth that its yield went negative. You had to pay interest to give money to buy a U.S. Treasury bill. All I want to say for that is this, and here's why I bring up such illustrations. This nation has within it people that worship the God of heaven, and they love His Son, Jesus Christ, and they preach this book from many pulpits from shore to shore. And it's because of that reason this nation is great. It's not its form of government. It's not its constitution. It's not its financial institutions. It's the Word of God and its church institutions that has made this nation great. And the rest of the world still trembles in it. And by God's grace, you were born in this country. You should be thankful for this country. We are greatly blessed. Though being greatly foolish, greatly sinners, and terribly depraved and profane in the policies pursued by this nation. But may God preserve it for the sake of His people within it. And may we pray for it. God sitteth upon the throne of His holiness. He sees the differences. But brethren, our nation cannot survive unless there is repentance. And unless He continues to hold out mercy for the sake of the ten righteous souls that are here. I speak that metaphorically as He would have saved Sodom and Gomorrah for merely ten righteous souls. The princes of the people are gathered together. Even the people of the God of Abraham. Who are the people of the God of Abraham in the Old Testament? Israel of the Old Covenant. Who are the people of the God of Abraham of the New Testament? Listen to this. Listen to the sweetness. Do you look at this verse and you say, Oh, I wish I was of the people of the God of Abraham. Who are the people of God, the God of Abraham in the New Testament? They're not those Christ-hating Ashkenazi Jews over in the Middle East on that little piece of sand called Israel. Galatians chapter 3, verse 29 tells me this. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Glory! Can you believe it? They don't even know, most of the churches in this country don't even know who Abraham's seed is. They're thinking biological. They're thinking racial. They're thinking those people over there in Israel who aren't, Many of them are not even the biological racial descendants of Abraham. But we are the descendants of Abraham that count. The spiritual seed of Abraham. And if he be Christ, if by faith you have believed in Christ, that's the previous verse, and if you've been baptized in the name of Christ, that's the previous verse, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The princes of the people of the God of Israel have assembled today because that is you, my dear brethren. I love you all in the Lord Jesus Christ. The shields of the earth, the magistracy, the organization, the government of the church belongs to God. He is greatly exalted. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. We now have three men we'd like to come and lead us in three more passages of scripture as we prepare ourselves Amen. for the message this morning. I'd like to ask first Brother Rolland, if he would come, followed by Brother Gerald, and then Brother Ed, if you gentlemen would like to come in that order and lead us in further consideration of God's Word. You may turn to Daniel chapter 4, please.
Daniel chapter 4 is the letter that a great king wrote to all of his rulers throughout his empire, Nebuchadnezzar. He is telling about the time when he had a dream and called upon Daniel to interpret the dream. And we're going to read part of this letter that he sent out in which he confesses the glory of the God of heaven over him, the king, and how he was humbled and brought to see that he wasn't so great after all, that the Lord God of heaven was greater. We're breaking up. We're not going to read the whole chapter. It's a little bit long, 37 verses. We'll start with verse 24, Daniel 4, 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my Lord, the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee. After that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king, Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built? For the house of the kingdom, by the might of my power, for the honor of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying. O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make, they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. And he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' claws. Uh, Isaiah, chapter 10, please. We'll read uh, about another great king, or so he thought. Isn't it great when we look to these great men of the world and see how small and little they are in the eyes of a living God? 
Oh, praise the Lord. Here we have uh, a prophecy given to Isaiah concerning the king of Assyria, yes. Sennacherib, yes. who had conquered most of the known world, yes. including the ten tribes of Israel, Samaria, and he had uh, besieged most of Judah. And now he's standing before Jerusalem and putting a pretty hard demand upon Hezekiah. He made some pretty bold statements. Hezekiah knew where to go. He took his Sennacherib's petition and his letters, and he went into the house of the Lord, and he threw them out on the ground and fell upon them and said, Lord, look how this heathen has blasphemed your name. Save us, Lord. So here we start to read in uh, verse 5 of chapter 10 of Isaiah, and this is God's pronouncement of what's going to happen to an arrogant, insolent, prideful king of Assyria that is, uh, he had uh, boasted mightily before the people of the living God. And we'll see what happens to him here as we read along. And uh, start in verse 5. O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. I will send him against an hypocritical nation. And against the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire of the streets. Howbeit, he meaneth not so, neither doth his heart think so. But it is in his heart to destroy and cut off nations, not a few. For he saith, Are not my princes altogether kings? Is not Calno as Karchemish? Is not Hamath as Arpad? Is not Samaria as Damascus? As my hands have found the kingdoms of the idols, and whose graven images did excel them of Jerusalem and of Samaria, shall I not, as I have done unto Samaria and her idols, so do to Jerusalem and her idols? Wherefore, it shall come to pass that when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria. Amen. And the glory of his high looks. Amen. Yes. For he saith, By the strength of my hand have I done it, and by my wisdom, for I am prudent. And I have removed the bounds of the people, and have robbed their treasuries, and have put down the inhabitants like a valiant man. And my hand have found as, the, as a nest the riches of the people. And as one, that, as one gathereth eggs that are left, have I gathered all the earth. And there was none that moved the wing, or opened the mouth, or peeped. Shall the axe boast itself against him that heweth therewith? <laughs> or shall the saw magnify itself against him that shaketh it? As if the rod should shake itself against them that lift it up, or as if the staff should lift up itself. As if it were no wood. Therefore shall the Lord, the Lord of hosts, send among his fat ones leanness. And under his glory he shall kindle a burning like the burning of a fire. And the light of Israel shall be for a fire. 
and his holy one for a flame. And it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. And shall consume the glory of his forest and of his fruitful fields, both soul and body. And they shall be as when a standard bearer fainteth. And the rest of the trees of his forest shall be few, that a child may write them. Amen. Praise the Lord. Turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to read 1 through 12. We get the great pleasure of reading a gathering of the people who love God and is an example to all of us of how we should act and react to the Lord and be joyful and happy. And I especially like the end, chapter, uh, verse 12. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding, upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate, from morning until midday, before the men and the women and those that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Amen. And Ezra the scribe stood up on a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, and Shema, and Aniah, and Urijah, and Hikiah, and Messiah. And on his right hand and on his left hand, Padeah, and Mishael, and Malachiah, and Hashem. And Hashabad, Dana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, Amen. with, with lifting up their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Achab, Shabbatiah, Hodijah, Maaseah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peliah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place. So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Amen. And Nehemiah, which is the Tereshatha, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth, because they had understood 
the words that were declared unto them.